0: All right, back to Galatians chapter 5. We're still on verse 1. I want to read you verse 1 again because it is so richly profound. For freedom Christ has set us free. Stand firm, therefore, and do not submit again to a yoke of slavery. My, my. Um, There are those among us, um, and maybe it's all of you, I don't know. Who get uh, so, a, a, a tad nervous when I start talking about this freedom thing? Um, you're you're concerned and um, fearful that um, uh, any emphasis on freedom um, uh, would remove. I mean, doesn't that remove any motive or incentive to a godly life? Well, guys, that's a fair question. It's a reasonable question, and. Um, So to comfort you, I want to, I mean, and by the way, Paul realizes it's a question that exists, and and so he addresses it, and I want you to look at verse 13, um, where he says, um, for you were called to freedom, brothers, only do not use your freedom as an opportunity for the flesh. Now, my my point is, he issues a stern warning against abuses of freedom, Um, and we're going to get to that um, in about four months (laughs) Um, we'll get to verse 13, and so all of you who have concerns that uh, too much freedom is being um, enjoyed, just, just relax, um, it, you know, wait to, um, until we get to verse 13, and then the scriptures will balance uh, the overall message. But you can't get to verse 13 until you've really um, enjoyed verse 1. Tonight, I want you to look at the second half of verse 1, where Paul says, stand firm. Um, um, Guys, that's what I see myself doing tonight. Not not me standing firm, but helping us to stand firm. Um, Over this issue of freedom our freedom in Christ, Um, look at what is at stake. He says in verse 1, Stand firm, therefore, and do not submit again to a yoke of slavery. If we fail to stand firm in this freedom that is ours, we will inevitably... End up in some kind of slavery. Some kind of bondage. Um, and, and I want you to notice his very picturesque language. The the bondage that he fears, um, that God's people will experience, he likens it, look, to a um a yoke um of slavery. Gang, um you know what they put a yoke around, don't you? Oxen. Oxen, they put it around uh, you know, these brute beasts. They put this yoke around them. Um, listen to this statement. This is in Acts 15. You don't need to turn. Uh, Peter is speaking here, and Peter says to the Jerusalem council, Now, therefore, why are you putting God to the test by placing a yoke On the neck of the disciples that neither our fathers nor we have been able to bear. Why are you putting God to the test? (coughs) Pardon me. Um, By encouraging them into some brand uh, of slavery. And the the image here is these brute beasts with a yoke around their neck. Um, don't do that, says Peter in Acts 15. Don't do that to God's people. Don't you put that on their necks. (coughs) I'm so sorry. Um, Paul's language is stand firm. So that's what I see myself doing tonight is helping us avoid this kind of yoke of slavery. By the way, the, the whole idea of an ox, <laughs> it's rather ugly, is it not? Um, you know what oxen do, don't you? They, um, they work all day and they kind of lumber around with very little um, you know, spring in their step. And when they get old and you can't use them anymore, you just slaughter them. That's, that's, that's uh, what Paul is saying. You want to avoid that. Yeah, we do. And, and notice, look at the text. Stand firm, therefore, and do not submit again. You used to submit to this. But don't do it again. For heaven's sake. Now that you understand the gospel of grace, don't, don't let that happen to you again. So stand firm. And what I'm trying to do for God's people is to enable them to oppose or to not fall into some kind of yoke of slavery, which can be really, really kind of ugly, guys. Now, to to help us stand firm, I want to start with the first commandment. (laughs) Um, Exodus chapter 20, verse 3, simply says, um, Thou shalt have no other gods before me. Now, Jimmy, why do you start there? Um, I start there, guys, because to choose a different gospel, to depart from the gospel of grace is to choose a different God. Uh, To choose law over grace is to choose another God. It's a different gospel, it's a different God. And and the first commandment is, don't get any other gods. Stick with this one. The God who has um, gone to great extremes to uh, deliver us from our bondage. You know, he did that for Israel, you remember? They were in Egypt and uh, they were in bondage, and he goes to all these extremes, get them out of there. Don't go back there, for heaven's sake. Just stick with this God, just stick with the right God. And if you, if you depart from this God, if you depart from this gospel, what, what you're doing is, is you're chasing after a, a different God, a, different, a, a substitute deity. And guys, I would say to you that the devil delights to take away your liberty. He he loves to see you in bondage. And the way that he does that, most slyly, is that he he does it by putting in its place, that is our liberty, he puts in its place um, an idol, um, a performance idol, a false god. law, whatever you want to call it, Um, he gets us to put in the place of the, the gospel of grace and freedom, put something else in there, get rid of that, says the devil, and put in there something that will ultimately carry you into bondage. Oh, you used to be in bondage. Heaven's sakes, don't go there again. Stand firm. So that's what we're going to try to do, guys, is to, um, um, I'm going to try to give you just a few examples of how we have failed to stand firm. And um, as I said, Satan has tricked us into putting in the place of this gospel of grace and freedom this other thing. Which is a different God. It's a different gospel. It's a, it's it's it enslaves, and it turns you into an old dumb ox with a yoke around your neck. Well, uh, Doctor Young, uh, that's a little uh, over the top, what is it? I want to give you three examples. Of the way that we um, that we have been robbed of freedom and replaced it with bondage, um, slavery by um, by adopting a substitute deity, that which is not God, but we made it a God all right guys let 's say that um, The thing that you seek to use to establish your worth. Um, I'm just going to give you some examples. And let's let's say that you use thinness or beauty or shape, your shape. That's the thing that you use to, to tell the world that you really are valuable. Your thinness, your beauty, your shape. Um, let, me, let me quickly inform you that it's not going to last. <laughs> um, age will see to it that it doesn't last. But, but beyond that, um, when that thing that I have now used as my definition of my identity is that I'm beautiful or I'm thin or I'm shapely, that's why I'm valuable. When that gets threatened by some set of circumstances, um, oh, it, uh, it, it's, um, it's, it's enslaving. Um, for instance, let's, I mean, age will make sure that the, the thing will die or it won't work. But let's just say, and I, and I deal with a couple of people a year who, who have certain illnesses and they have to take steroids, and as a result of their steroids, they kind of puff up. Did you read in the paper this morning that Erin Andrews, you know who Erin Andrews is? She's the absolutely drop-dead gorgeous blonde um, ESPN sports commentator who has cervical cancer. Uh, Fox? Please don't correct me in front of my friends. Um, <clears throat> I mean, does it really matter that it's Fox or ESPN? <laughs> this is a rough crowd. Uh, <clears throat> Uh, uh, but before the night's over, I'm going to have her on CBS just just for that. Um, okay, it's Fox. But, but, guys, all I'm saying is when circumstances threaten my identity, which is, which is falsely placed in the first place, then, then what happens is that I become uncontrollably anxious. My life is spinning out of control. Um, yeah, yeah, it's spinning. And, and, and do you understand why it's spinning out of control? Because the thing that I that I look to to make me valuable, it's gone. It's forsaken me. The thing that I put as my definitional center, this is why, this is who I am. When it gets threatened by whatever circumstances or age or whatever. then I'm, I'm in terror because I was trying to get my meaning out of that thing and it didn't work. And so instead of um, my definitional center being Christ and him crucified and the freedom that is mine in Christ, um, I let Satan talk me into finding something that, would, that could substitute as my deity and now that deity is gone, and I am left in a peck of trouble. Um, let's say, secondly, another example. Let's just say that my, the thing that I use to establish my worth is marriage uh, or um, family. Uh, if I'm a single, I am determined that life has got to give me marriage and you do know that that can be blocked by other people, you know. They can. I, I, nobody asked me out on a date, or or I don't. Uh, I don't get to ask. I don't need anybody to any parties, or you know. Or let's say it's let's say it's kids, and for whatever reason, clinically or otherwise, I can't get pregnant as a as a married woman. Um. Now, because my God is is marriage slash family slash kids slash something um, and I don't have it. First of all, it's, I'm very angry, um, resentful, joyless, all marks of slavery. And why am I so angry and resentful and joyless? Because the thing that that I thought would make me worthwhile. I don't have. And it's somebody else's fault. And the thing that I was looking to. To, to, to make me into a. a to, to give me a. Joyful life. I don't have it. And it's somebody's fault. And not mine maybe. Again, uh, now you're um, you've got a life that is um, joyless. (laughs) That's enough. Um, Brought on because you substituted in the place where God was supposed to be something that wasn't supposed to be there. It's called a substitute deity instead of Christ and the freedom that he offers us. I've got this other... Here's my third example, and my last one. Um, my, my... The way that I'm going to... Um, the way that I'm going to establish my worth is that I am going to be a good Christian. <laughs> Please don't use that term around me, um, a good Christian. I've never met one. Um, I don't know any of them. Uh, a good Christian, but um, to to achieve that that goal, that's going to give me meaning and uh, value a, amongst people and uh, a sense of worth. I am going to commit myself to this fastidious religious goodness and obedience. Um, I I am going to um, uh, I, I'm going to be hot on the trail of all kinds of moral accomplishment, or in my world, in, my, in the in the preacher world, ministry effectiveness, which is always um, uh, easily quantifiable, simply in terms of numbers. That's the thing that's going to give me life or worth. That's what's going to make me valuable among people. Um, Forget the card. We're just talking about the laity for the moment. But um, this this fastidious religious obedience, and then I fail. I get a DUI. I hope you don't get one of those things. but Or I get a divorce. And the end result of my failing, my moral failure, is a big dose of self-loathing. Um, if I fail to live up to the standards that I have set for myself, whatever they are, And if I fail to achieve those in any way, I become anxious, I I deal with guilt, galore, shame. My my wife tells me, and, and I don't normally read these books, but my wife does, and she tells me there's so many books on the market these days about shame. Do you know, ladies and gentlemen, if you are dealing with that, you are in bondage? And do you know whose fault that is? That would be yours. Because you let Satan talk you out of the freedom that you have in Christ. And he put in its place some kind of performance idol. I'm going to be a good Christian. And then my marriage fell apart. Okay, I'm not a good Christian according to that standard. What the devil am I? I'm um, disgusted with me. Don't you love that word self-loathing? You know, guys, I know you've heard this before. I, I've said it before. Now, I, mean, I, I, I mean, I've said it from this, behind this podium before. When, when people say, um, I know that God forgives me, but I can't forgive myself. Do you think that's a, a statement of spirituality? Oh, no, 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 ladies and gentlemen. What you're really saying is, I have failed my real God and my real God is my own moral record. I can't sense forgiveness because I'm too busy loathing myself for having failed my own God that I substituted for the real God who set me free in Christ. Um, Guys, religious legalists can never be quite sure that they're living up. Don't you love that? Living up. Living up to the standard either that I set for myself or my church set for me. I, I can never I can never I can never know that that I ever did it right. What is the it? Oh, I don't know, baptism. Did I repent right? Um, did, I, did I take the communion right? You know, it, I, I never know that I did it right. So your lives are full of fear. And I'll even say they're full of pride. Because on occasion, when you are maintaining your thinness, or you're, you do have sweet little young kids, and, and, and you are uh, keeping up the standards pretty well. Then you feel really good about yourself. But if you fail, then um, um, we deal with all of this, we're guilt ridden. I haven't done enough. That, ladies and gentlemen. Is what I call slavery. And it all came about by substituting something that's not a real God for this one. This Jesus who set me free by his finished work. And all the guilt and the shame that you're continuing to struggle with because you had an abortion back in college. Guys, I'm not, I'm not, I'm not happy that you had an abortion back in college i not say that's a small thing. That's... No, no, it was an awful thing. Awful thing. But may I ask you this simple question? Is it unpardonable? Well, we all say no. Then why in the name of good sense would you ever say something so awful like, well, I know God forgives me, but I just can't forgive myself? I'll tell you what can't forgive you, is the own, your own god, of your own immoral achievements. And 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 that one is so insane, because very honestly, with one simple dose of honesty, we'd all say, "Oh my goodness, are we fail, are we bankrupt?" I, I've said this before, but. Augustine talks about our best works, our splendid sins. Way to go. In your best moment, as in your pursuit of good Christian, you offer to God splendid sins. Instead of enjoying, freedom that is ours in Christ Jesus. That's why Paul says, stand firm. Don't let anybody take that from you. Don't let something or someone rob you of that which is yours, not because you did wonderfully well, but because Jesus did. Now, let me finish with just... Four quick lessons, Um, guys. I I hope you've stayed with my logic. My logic. He he tells us to stand firm. I'm trying to help us stand firm. I started with the first commandment about it because that's what Satan does. If we depart from this gospel, for freedom, Christ has said, when we depart from this one, what we put in its place is, is is a different gospel. It's a different God. It's a substitute deity. And there's, there's dozens of them. I just mentioned three. Um, but in, in this good church-going crowd, number three is a biggie. Because we're all trying to outdo the next vote uh, because our God smiles on us. And so there's Pride. I did better than you. Until I lose it, I told Susie the other day. Um, <clears throat> I was driving on Farmington, and, and um, there was this guy in front of me, and I was behind him. I was on the, I was on the, in the lane closest to the golf course, and and um, he kept swerving into my lane, and he would yank it back and yank it back and swerving him out, and, I, and I was, I'm back here, and so I thought, I'm going to get up close to him so that he can see that I'm here, because then he won't. But as I'm coming up here, he swerves into my lane again, and when I get up to him, you can see in the window, and he's looking down in his lap at his phone. I told it's <laughs> night. it's a good thing that I don't own a gun. I mean I could be downright murderous. I could absolutely shoot somebody for for that kind of. <laughs> but I'm a good Christian. <laughs> Guys, give it up. Give it up. Go back to this gospel. Enjoy the sweetness and the beauty of this gospel. It's marvelously sweet. And and it's not a freedom that allows you to go live like you want to. We're going to get to that in about four months. But right now, the trouble in the in the evangelical church in the South is that we've got a we've got we've substituted something for the the richness of the gospel. Four quick lessons, and I'll quit. Number one, none of that other stuff—the thinness, the beauty, the the shape, the the marriage, the, the, uh, the kids, the uh, good Christian um, moral accomplishment, the uh, clerical success, none of it is going to fulfill you. Because the heart that you've got is not a, shaped like a church. It's not shaped like a family either. There's only one thing that can fill up that empty space in your heart. And it's the living God as presented to you in a gospel of grace. So we cram into our hearts that God, not all this other stuff. It doesn't fit, it won't work, it won't fulfill. And very honestly, I think we already know that. Secondly, none of those other gods will ever forgive you. They will only curse you. They will only show you how you lost your pretty waistline. They'll show you what a bad husband you were. They'll show you how you failed your ecclesiastical standards. They'll never be able to offer you forgiveness. Only this one does. Thirdly, all those other gods, as I said earlier, encourage a short-term pride and a judgmentalism. Because if I have the God of religious goodness and I do it for three weeks, then I'm feeling very superior to you and it doesn't do anything um, to create good, sound, solid, enjoyable Christian relationships. Um those other gods will encourage short-term pride and then of course I, I underscore short term it'll only last for a while, and then something will happen and you'll 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 find the thing that I thought was going to give me meaning didn't the thing that I thought was going to give me value didn't the thing that I thought was going to give me worth it didn't it didn't finally, all of it leads to bondage. That's the exhortation of verse 1. Stand firm. And don't submit to that slavery again. We got out of that because Christ set us free. Don't go back there. Guys, this is no small subject. Um, I, I wonder if some of you think, well, you know he talks about this a lot. Well, I do talk about it a lot because the text does. But I talk about it a lot because I'm telling you, I think we're all, um, in one degree or other, we're all rather spiritually ill because we've, got a, we've substituted something for this gospel, this thing that has set us free. The Christian life is to be one that has one of its chief earmarks being freedom. I, I say that standing firmly on Galatians 5.1. When there is slavery of any kind, it's because somehow the gospel has suffered. Uh, in a church, in an individual, in a group, I, it, you know, if the gospel is not prized, then what you end up with is some brand of slavery what, the gospel, what Christianity is supposed to look like is that we belong to a king who happens to be a liberator who went to extraordinary lengths to get us out of our bondage. And he says, um, don't take that yoke i got another one. Take my yoke and learn from me. You're going to find rest for your souls. This This liberator issues instructions. Yes. And you go obey those. But don't worry about anybody else's. The liberator king has got instructions. Go obey those. The rest of them, somebody else made for you. And they end up dragging you into a yoke. Stand firm. Father, I do pray that you will... um, Warn your people about the dangers of departing from the purity and the beauty of the gospel. Um, Would you remind them that to get off track a a bit is going to have some enslaving properties to it. The very thing that, that we're supposed to be free from So would you you remind us through this exhortation by the Apostle Paul that the gospel of Jesus Christ is about freedom. It's not about slavery. It's not about bondage. It's not about yokes. It's about the glorious liberation purchased for us by a perfect Savior. Now, Father, for those of us who have sinned against you, by adopting things that we hoped would bring us worth and didn't and couldn't, please forgive us and um, move us back towards this this gospel of pure grace, the thing that sets us free. We uh, ask all of this, of course, in the name of Christ Jesus. Amen.